0: Our series is Better Together, and uh, every week we've been reading the same verse. I'm praying that it gets in your heart. We're really building culture around this, and uh, uh, do we have that coming up on the screen? My son, hallelujah. There it is, and uh, can everybody read that? Can you read that in the back? It's like vision exam, okay? Let's, uh, we, we read this together, uh, so at the count of three, I want us all in unison to read this. There's two slides, one, two, three. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to look back just a couple verses in verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 1. And this is what it says. It says, uh, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we, have once conduct, we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, but were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. He raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, Lest anyone should boast, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord's hand on this word as we open it together right now. Jesus, I, I just thank you for your word. and God, I, just, I ask that an anointing would be released in this place, God, that you would anoint every person within the sound of my voice. God, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that perceives what your Spirit is speaking today. And God, I ask that an anointing would rest upon me. Lord, if, if I don't have your anointing, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can do this today. I just ask that you would help me, that you would anoint me, that under the unction and the power of your Holy Spirit that I would share Lord, your word with, uh, with clarity and with power, mighty God, let it be life-transforming to each and every one. Give us liberty in the house today as we receive your word in Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Well, you may be seated. What a joy, what a joy to be in the house of God. I, I uh, this last week something interesting happened. We received news, I believe, Thursday afternoon, of the passing of a mighty saint of God, um, Brother Leslie Bovey. That's Pastor Colleen's father, actually, passed away just this last week. And you know, that's one of those things. I think death, when it comes, uh, is a it's a surprise. It's a shock. You know, you always you, know, you always consider your own life and mortality when you hear about moments, but when you look at somebody like him. Brother Leslie lived for the Lord and uh, was a mighty man of God, raised his family, right? We see that in our own leadership. And and he was a blessing to us. We got to spend time. I think I met Brother Leslie when he was 96. He died at 100, by the way. And uh, the thing that just amazed me about spending time with him is he remembered my name. He remembered my wife. He remembers our kids, and every time we would see him, he would greet us by name, ask us how Lahaina was doing, and then as soon as we started the work here, I mean, he he was keeping track of it. How was Kona? You guys were over there this last week. In fact, he was the first one to read and write a review on my most recent book, God's will he wrote he read this thing and then he wrote me a full write-up rated it on Amazon I don't even know how to rate stuff on Amazon but here's here's brother Leslie uh rating books on Amazon at at a hundred years old and this last week he had the distinct privilege of meeting Jesus face to face the reason that I bring that up is even in the topic of what I'm sharing today every time somebody passes away I'm I'm reminded of the reality that we live a life in the physical here in the world. But there is a spiritual unseen realm that is more real than any of you have ever experienced before. There was a time where I was grieving the loss of another church family member. He was an active, uh, Brother Kaoki was his name, and he was a member of our early morning prayer ministry as well. Prayed with this guy, spent time with him nearly every single day. And I remember he died, he had a stroke, it was an unexpected thing, he passed away, nobody really saw it coming, we thought that he would come through that, but uh, all of a sudden he passed away, and I remember I was grieving, and one evening I was in prayer, and, uh, and just asking God why, I don't know if you've ever done that, have you ever prayed for something it doesn't happen, you're like, God, why, what's going on? I was having one of those moments with the Lord, and I just—I—I I remember asking the question of the Lord, why did He have to die? And I felt the word of the Holy Spirit come into my heart, and not with an audible voice, but I knew that the Lord was speaking to me in that moment, and He said something so clear, I don't think I'll ever forget it. Every funeral, every death that I see, I'll be reminded of this moment. He says, Jacob... Kaoki is more alive than you are right now. And I remember it shook me to my core. Do you understand the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 14-18, we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things which are not seen. The things that are seen are temporary, but that which is unseen is eternal. Every time I consider death, I'm reminded of this reality that there is... A world that is unseen, that is more real than anything we can look at, anything we can lay hold of, any person we can talk to, the unseen spirit. Think about this. I know this is a new frame of thinking. This is the reason men like Smith Wigglesworth were able to touch the heavenly realm and see miracles released because they understood the reality of the heavenly realm is greater than what we experience. The reality of the heavenly realm will supersede and overwhelm even our physical bodies and anything we can lay hold of. In it. How is it that we can give an offering that touches the heart of God and all of a sudden we see provision that does not make sense? we must learn to tap into this heavenly realm because there's warfare that's going on all around us. That's really what I want to talk about today. There is warfare, there is a kingdom of darkness, and there is a kingdom of light. We would call it the kingdom of hell and the kingdom of heaven. But I want to remind you, I didn't get much time to talk about this last week, and so can I backtrack for a little bit? Can you guys all track with me for a second? Stay open in Ephesians. It's going to help you. In the previous chapter in, in Ephesians, in chapter 1 and verse 20, it says that Jesus overcame death, and today he is seated in authority at God's right hand in heavenly places. Everybody say, in heavenly places. Now, what in the world is that all about? Because here's what's fascinating I, I would submit to you, yes. Jesus has a real throne in a physical place somewhere called heaven. But I would submit to you that is not what this passage right here is talking about. And this is the reason that I believe that, because in the very next verse, in verse 21, again, this is Ephesians chapter 1, it says that Jesus has been seated in authority at the right hand in the heavenly places. You could rightly say the heavenly realm above, verse 21, principality, power, might, and dominion. Now pay attention. Principality and power we see repeatedly throughout Scripture are both attributed to demonic positions that exist on the earth. Okay? We see that might and dominion are generally attributed to natural powers that are on the earth. So there's no king, there's no president, there's no ruler or authority on the earth that is above the rulership of Jesus Christ. You guys trekking with me so far? So there is there are great authorities on the earth demonic and natural Jesus reigns over them all Jesus has authority over them all. He is greater than all of them. So when Ephesians is talking about Jesus being seated in heavenly places, it's not just talking about He's got a chair in heaven somewhere. There is an unseen realm that is all around us, and Jesus Christ is Lord in authority and power over all of them. That's the unseen realm that we were talking about a moment ago. There is a spiritual overlay to everything on the earth. And I would submit to you what I said just a moment ago. That spiritual unseen realm is actually more real than the seen realm that we live in right now. Our body is going to perish. But you will live forever or die forever, the Bible actually says. This earth... And everything in it will one day pass away. But there is a new heaven and a new earth that will come. It will last forever. The things that happen on the earth are affected by what is going on in the spirit, in the unseen realm. One of the books that I read every couple of years, not because it's a great theology book or anything, but it's a, it's a fiction It's a Frank Peretti book called uh, This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness. These books were written in 1989 and and somewhere in the 90s. And it gives a a wonderful story, small town pastor and some of the things that are going on there. But what's amazing is you'll, you'll see this interaction where things are happening in the church or in the city. But then they pull back this veil in the story and you see there's demonic activity, angelic activity, and there's warfare that's going on that you don't see in the natural. And as things begin to shift, as intercessors begin to pray, it talks about the angels moving into action and combating demonic powers. And then you see change begin to happen. Now, that's a fiction, as I said, but I believe that that stuff is real. I believe that when we learn how to pray and how to intercede and to content, there are things that happen in the natural realm because things are shifting and they're moving in the spirit realm as we learn how to touch heaven. But here's what we need to understand, and this is very important. What's the name of our series? Everybody say, Better Together. Better Together. Do you know how the Lord intends for the kingdom of God to be made manifest on the earth? He intends, it says in verse 22, Jesus has put all things under His feet and gave Jesus to be head over all things, now watch this, to the church, His body, the fullness of Him. The primary way we are going to see heaven released on the earth, the will of God done in the earth is through the church of Jesus Christ. This is a big deal. This is why it is very important that you grasp our theme verse that we read together every week. You're not just some standalone rogue believer out there. You're you're not just some appendage on the body. No, you are a member of the family of God. And together, we are the body of Christ. We are the building of God that is literally being framed together. What a privilege. What an honor. We need to understand this because you guys, I, uh, there's a reason that wickedness, the, the reason wickedness abounds on the earth, the reason sin abounds. And the age old question people always ask, why do bad things happen to good people? This right here, it doesn't make that an easy question to answer, but I, I understand it logically. There are places on the earth where the Lord is not yet ruling and reigning. There are places on the earth where the devil himself has a foothold. His will is being accomplished. And it makes our job as the church of Jesus Christ very important. When we see God's will not being done, when we see God's will being violated, there's a moment where you and I need to understand who we are as the body of Jesus Christ extending the kingdom of God, building the church, seeing the will of God established on the earth. This is a big deal, and I hope that we get it. There's great darkness in the world, but we have a mission. The heavenly realm is not where it's supposed to be on all times, but that's why we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Now, I've I made it to our text for today, and so uh, look here at chapter 2, chapter 2 in verse 1. This is, what it's, this is where we all begin, by the way. You were dead. Hallelujah. You walked according to the world, verse 2, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. We talked last week, who's the prince of the power of the air? Satan, the devil. He is the prince of the world. Jesus acknowledged it. It's actually five times in the New Testament. But praise God, prince is lower than king. And we're here to, to establish the kingdom of God. He may, he may be a prince over an area, but guess what? That's why we want to plant churches, by the way. What would move somebody like Dr. Moran? Why do we need 500 churches? Isn't it great to have one church on Maui? Isn't that good enough? Here's the fact of the matter. There is a prince over the world that is having a heyday in certain nations. And if a church of Jesus Christ, if the believers of God do not come into an area and begin to release the kingdom of heaven on the earth, then guess what? The devil's going to continue to have his way. But we've determined, I heard Dr. Morocco make this statement. He wants to make Maui a hard place to go to hell. That nobody growing up on Maui is going to hell. And so you know what? I've taken that mission upon myself. That's a great plan, Dr. Morocco. I don't want anybody on the big island of Hawaii to go to hell. That's what this is all about. Do you realize there's people who've grown up and they've never in their life experienced a moment of freedom from demonic oppression. They've grown up with this. They've grown up with this prince, Satan, who's ruling over their life. They've grown up with demonic oppression upon their life. And I am just believing that there's going to be moments where we've got a little piece of heaven right here in Kona. And people step into this place, and all of a sudden, that authority and that power that has ruled and dominated their life, all of a sudden, is lifted, and they realize there is a king of kings and lord of lords who can move in me. Oh, my goodness, this is this gives me motivation. I, I, I'm not trying to be gloom and doom when I talk about the devil and the kingdom of darkness, I'm just trying to give you a real picture here. And so it says this according to the power of the air, you were a son of God or or a son of disobedience according to this passage. Jesus even called some religious folk sons of their father, the devil. You don't ever want to be that. Praise God. Verse three it says among whom you conducted our, we conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. That's scary. You know, this This right here is the message of virtually every religion outside of Christianity in the world today. If it feels good, do it. If you think it's right, then it must be right for you. This is the message that virtually every other religion in the world is preaching. But according to this, the Bible says living that way will make you a child of wrath. That's a scary phrase. What in the world does that mean? You know, we, we talked a few weeks ago about the things that we have as an inheritance as a son of God, right? We have, we have riches, we have power, we have authority, we have blessing, we have God's favor. There's so many blessings and benefit that come with being a son of the Most High God. But if you're not that, if you're a son of your father, the devil, if you're a child of wrath, guess what? Your inheritance is wrath. That's scary, man. Romans 1.18 says, the wrath of God will be revealed against all ungodliness. And we don't want that. Do you want that? No, hallelujah. But look at verse 4. Now this is great. This is where we make a turn. It gets real positive and encouraging. It says, but God. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. He is rich in mercy because of His great Love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he's raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now stop right there. What's the name of our series? Better Together. Did you know that your salvation, your hope, Every blessing that you have, it is a benefit of being together with Jesus Christ. In fact, in the verses that we just read a moment ago, beginning at verse 4 of chapter 2, there's actually three togethers that are mentioned there. I've talked in weeks about how we together are the church, but today I want to give you some thoughts about what it means to be together with Christ. Together with Christ. And I'll I'll give you the points right from the beginning here. It says this, we're together in His resurrection. It says we're together in His ascension. And we are together in rulership. And that one's a good point. You're going to enjoy that. We are together in resurrection, ascension, and rulership. So the first together, it says without Christ, you were dead. You're spiritually dead, eternally dead. You're dead in sin. Until you come together, everybody say together. Yes. You come together with Christ, you're dead. But as I mentioned, you're, you're an heir to judgment, but God is rich in mercy. He has great love, and he loves you. Look at your neighbor right now and say, Jesus loves you. (laughs) He's rich in mercy. You don't know why. It says by grace we've been saved. You can't work hard enough. You can't do enough to earn your salvation. Even if you were raised a church kid and now you're the most holy kid that you ever met. It's not good enough. We have all. Failed. We've all fallen miserably short of God's high and holy standard. And so we all deserve to be children of wrath. Let me just be point blank. We all deserve judgment. But God, because He loves you, shows mercy on you. It says, I I long for you. I I, I want you to be with me. It says he's rich in mercy. You know, we we tend to use grace and mercy interchangeably. But let me just explain to you. Uh, I would ask, in fact, I'll ask, because I know somebody knows the answer to this. Uh, What is, give me the definition for the word grace. Unmerited favor. I knew that was the answer that I was going to get and that's a correct answer that is a that is an accurate answer Uh, everybody say unmerited favor favor. now my only challenge with that definition and it is the right definition is I bet 95% of this room with just that definition don't actually understand what that actually means what does that mean unmerited favor Gra- uh, so let me just tell you, grace and mercy. Grace, grace is unmerited favor. But what it actually means is, you don't deserve anything. You deserve nothing. You aren't good enough. But God is going to give you what you do not deserve: favor, forgiveness, goodness. Love. That's what grace is. Grace is giving you what you don't deserve. That's where it's unmerited, it's undeserved favor. Now, God doesn't look at you as a child of wrath. He doesn't look at you as a son of disobedience. Now he looks at you as his own beloved son. He looks at you and he sees the the, the, the sacrifice of Jesus applied to your life. And now you're accepted in the sight of Almighty God. I'm getting excited and starting to spit. So, hallelujah. Mercy is... Kind of the opposite thought of grace. Mercy means you deserve punishment, you deserve wrath, you do deserve hell, but God instead is going to give you mercy. He's not going to give you what you do deserve. So one is giving, grace. One is withholding, that's mercy. You understand the difference now. And so why would God do that for us? Well, we just read it. He loves you. He loves you. That's why he wants to give you grace. He wants to, he wants to give you his mercy. And so we're going to begin a life group pretty soon. In fact, the, the curriculum that we're encouraging that we're going to start in, in our life group push here in a couple weeks is a, it's a book called Following Jesus. And in the introduction, uh, you know, I'm just going to steal one thought. Okay, so, uh, But I just thought that this was so powerful. In the introduction of this book, Following Jesus, the writer points out that the very moment Jesus died, the veil was torn from top to bottom. Now, now for those who may not understand, the, the veil, there was this idea within the temple of God, and there, the veil was a separation between what they call the holy place and the most holy place, or the holy of holies. The Holy of Holies was a place that was reserved only for the high priest to go and to offer a sacrifice. But it was there that the very manifest presence of God rested. And uh, that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. In fact, they had this system going on because anybody who was to go into that most holy place with sin in their life, they had the belief that they would be struck dead being in the presence of holy God. But something incredible happened. When Jesus himself died, he made provision for our sins to be cleansed, to be washed, to be made new. And he opened a pathway by which you and I could now come into the presence of God. Not just the high priest, not just through an animal sacrifice, but all who would receive the glorious sacrifice of Jesus. Now here's what's really amazing about this. The Bible says, the very moment... That Jesus died. The moment. Not 90 days later. Not you know, a couple months later. Not, not years later. Was a, the very moment. The first opportunity that God had to come and penetrate that veil. And come and fellowship with his people. That is exactly what he did. You know what that tells me? <laughs> God is desperate to be with you. He wants to be together with us. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Oh, my goodness. That ought to excite us so much. He couldn't wait. He didn't delay. The veil is torn. Now we, we can enter in to God's presence. Oh, my goodness. What a joy. And so, He's merciful. He has great love for you, and He raises you up. In verse 7, it says he does in our, uh, what He does in our life is to show the abundant, what abundant grace is. This is verse 7, chapter 2. And His kindness towards us through Jesus. Let, let me read that again. What He does in our life is to show how abundant His grace is and His kindness towards us through Jesus. You understand That you are a living, walking testimony of how good God is. That's what he's saying. That people will look at your life and they will see the grace of God. They will look at you and they will see how kind God is. Because they're going to look at you and know, that guy used to be a drug addict. How is he an amazing father now? That lady grew up in an abusive household. How is she such a wonderful mother now? That guy used to be a drug dealer. How's he a pastor now? I mean, there's going to be things that people look at. I know that guy failed school. How is he running his own multi-million dollar business? I mean, really, this is the kind of stuff that people, people, people look, and they're going to say, how's that possible? Our lives are a living, walking testimony that our God is gracious, that our God is good, that our God is, is mighty, he is powerful, Guys, I desire that for every person within the sound of my voice. In fact, it, it leads me into the next point here. Number two, the second together that we read about is in verse 6. It says that he raised us up together. If you're taking notes, this is what I want you to write down. We are together in ascension. Ascension. We have been raised up together with Jesus Christ you see, some Christians, you've been resurrected. You've been made alive in Christ Jesus. How many of you are alive in Christ Jesus? If You've been born again. You, you have been, okay? If you haven't, we're going to pray for you at the end of service. Okay. But you have been resurrected. You've been made alive. But what grieves me is there are still people that you've experienced the resurrection in your own life. You've been born again. However, you still live a lowly life. Guys, I, I don't want to, I love eating shrimp, but shrimp are bottom dwellers. They eat the garbage off the floor. That's not your life. You're not called to be shrimp in the kingdom of God, right? I don't know where that in- illustration came from, but uh, that's just, that's a real picture, man. It's like, you're not a cockroach in the kingdom of God. You're called to be an eagle, Right? Right? We need to stop living these lowly lives and ascend. Now, maybe that's not the best example because I've learned that cockroaches fly in Hawaii. You know, they don't do that everywhere. You're still not a cockroach. It's time to rise up and be what God has called us to be. Now, this is maybe my favorite part of the entire message, I'll just tell you. In verse 10, It says that we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, let me teach you a Greek word. This is so awesome. That word, workmanship. Everybody say workmanship. It's the Greek word, poema. Everybody say poema. What does that sound like? Poem. And that's exactly what it is. You are God's poem. You are a work of art. Now, before Jesus, remember, you were dead. What can dead people do? Nothing. How beautiful is a dead person? Ugly, right? There, there's nothing that you're dead without purpose, but now you have been raised to life in Christ Jesus, and God is raising you up to something beautiful. You're a poem. You are a work of art. Only, Only God could take a critic of the church of Jesus Christ, oppressing them to the point of death, and raise Him up to be a great apostle and a leader. A great advocate for Christianity. That's the Apostle Paul. That's poetic, friend. God could take a rejected shepherd boy and turn him into David the giant slayer. Even above his brothers who were soldiers, by the way. No, he's a pizza delivery boy. You're going to read the story for real. He brought brought bread and cheese. That's pizza. Pizza. He's a pizza, but God used him. And I'm telling you, the fact that he's a giant slayer and God raises him up to be a king over all of Israel, I'm, that's poetic, friend. Only God could do something like that. He'd take a heart of speech runaway murderer and turn him into Moses, the deliverer and leader of Israel. Only God could take a young virgin girl and through the Holy Spirit allow Mary the mother, uh, to mother Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. That's poetic. I just want to challenge you sometime. Look in the mirror and just imagine, I am God's poetry. I am a work of art. I used to be a drug addict. I used to be in perversion. I used to be broke as a joke. I used to be a terrible human being. But now, I'm being raised up. I'm a work of art. I'm, I, I, I'm a test. I, I mean, guys, you are poetry. I want you to look. I, I had you turn to you one neighbor earlier. I want you to turn to another neighbor and say, you're a beautiful work of art. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right, don't get too excited now. One of our Bible school students just got engaged, I think. Uh, I'm, no, I'm just kidding. Oh. No, in that moment, right there, in that moment, I do, you are a work of art. Ooh. You know, anyway, all right, never mind. I better move on. <laughs> all right, so you are a work of art. You're a work of art. Every one of us are. You ought to think of yourself that way. The psalmist, he said that you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. It's really become one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible because he's talking about himself. He's talking about the works, Lord, your works. I am fearfully and wonderfully. So, you know, some of us feel like we're arrogant or self-promoting when we talk like that. No, it's not. You are a reflection of the glory of God. You're a reflection of God's grace. You're a reflection of his work in your life. And I'm telling you, when people look at your life, it's not an arrogant thing to say, man, I, I was dead. I was a nobody. I deserve nothing that I have but God in His goodness. Everything that I have and I'm doing is because God is way better than I deserve. You're a work of art. Here's the third, to, uh, well, let, let me give you the, the end of this. It says in verse 10, uh, He's prepared good works for us that we should walk in them. You should walk in the plan that God has for your life. You know, if we're going to live this poetic life that he's called us to, if we're going to be his workmanship, you're going to have to start saying yes to the things that God is asking you to do. And let me give you a hint. I say this often, but I don't know. This is like turning into one of my life messages, I guess. God is always going to ask you to do things that are bigger than yourself. He's always going to ask you to do things that are too difficult. I'm not smart enough for that. I don't have the money for that. I don't have people around me enough to do that. I don't, I don't have the know-how. I don't, you know, all the reasons, that's what God is going to ask you to do. And the reason is, if he only asks you to do things that were within your ability to do, then guess what? Everybody's going to clap for you when it's accomplished. But if you say yes to the things God's asking you to do that are way bigger than yourself, then guess what? At the end of it all, people are going to look and say, there's no way that guy could have done that. There's no way she could have done that on her own. Only God could have accomplished what he's accomplishing. He gets the glory. He gets the glory. Well, That's why I hope you don't walk into this church and you think, wow, this church has been here five months. Wow, that pastor must really be some, no, 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 no. Guys, this is way beyond anything that I could do. This is way beyond anything that even our assembled team could do. You walk into this building, you feel the presence of God. You walk on this property that has been purchased. And I'm just telling you, it's the goodness of God. It's only the goodness of God. To Him be the praise and the glory. You should walk in God's plans. Just say yes. Learn to say yes. Here's the third together, and this is the last one. Verse 6, it says, he made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh, my goodness. The third together is we are together in rulership. Rulership. We're together. In the previous chapters, what I began my, my sermon with today. Jesus is seated in heavenly places. But what I want you to understand is if you have been raised together in new life in Christ Jesus, we have ascended with Christ, is what we were just talking about. In this point right here, we actually have a seat with Christ in heavenly places. Guys, this changes absolutely everything. The heavenly realm that Jesus rules and reigns in, you are seated with Him. This is the seat of all authority all power now in, in a couple of weeks we're going to get into some real intensive spiritual warfare and, and I don't know if you man if you you have a desire to see miracles released or if you have a desire to break demonic power I mean I, that's the stuff that I live for personally I want to see more blind eyes open I, 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 I want to see people that the world says no that guy's a crazy crack addict and I want to say no that guy's just bound by the devil but I'm seated in authority and let's go break the power off of that guy I'm, I mean, God can do that kind of stuff. And he can use you in that as well. This is not just for pastors. I don't read pastor or or minister or apostle or life group leader anywhere. Well, they've been saved for three years, and so now they can. No. The moment you're born again... The moment you understand your identity that you have ascended with Christ Jesus and you are seated in authority, guess what? I've watched people that are a week old in the Lord start casting out devils because they start to understand if Jesus has authority and I'm in Jesus, then that means I have authority. We're together in rulership and authority with Jesus. Now, I shared last week, I didn't get much time to talk about it, but. Did you know that the term evangelist... Everybody say evangelist. Before evangelist was a religious term. It was actually a kingdom term. Now this is very interesting. A lot of people don't know this. I've only heard a couple other pastors ever teach on this. But it was a kingdom term. And it's the idea that an empire gets conquered by a king. And let me just give you... The exact example of exactly what has happened. Satan for millennium has ruled and dominated the world as we know it. But Jesus was victorious over hell, death, the grave. He was victorious over Satan. Now there is a new king, Romans 16. He came to crush the head of the serpent and through us we are going to see the enemy defeated under our feet. Very powerful. Very powerful. So He, so the prince of the power of the air has been defeated. However, there are still kingdoms. You imagine in a natural realm. Let's say, I don't know, somebody tell me a a country. I don't want to use our own. Okay, say it again. Pakistan. Pakistan. Okay, let's say, I don't know how many cities are in Pakistan, but let's just say that that a king goes and he conquers. I don't even know what Pakistan has. If they've got a king, if they've got a, I don't know what they have. a the prime minister. Okay. So let's just say another military comes in and they overthrow the prime ministry the minister. They defeat the armies. And now there is a new king in Pakistan. Okay. You guys checking with me so far. Now what happens is there's a new king in place. But. There's a lot of other villages and there's a lot of other towns and cities all throughout Pakistan. The capital knows, okay, there's a new king. But a lot of these other cities and towns all around have no idea that they've been conquered, that there's a new king over their nation. So what they would do is the king would send out evangelists. And the evangelist would go to all of these outlying cities and territories and villages and say, hey uh mr mayor uh you know whatever the governor whatever it may be those positions of rulership principalities and powers hey there's a new ruler there's a new king in town uh you need to yield to the authority of our new king this is exactly what you and i do when we're extending the kingdom of god yeah you could look at a city and say there's no church there there's no believers there man Darkness is ruling and reigning over that place. But you go as a carrier of the gospel of Jesus Christ with the authority of God and say, hey, there's a king who is now ruling the entire world. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And, And your demonic reign needs to end right now. Now, there's very often warfare, and there's, there's pushback, and that's, that's where we learn spiritual warfare. We're going to start doing that, actually, on, on Tuesday nights. We're going to go through some of that. But uh, uh, there's, there is warfare, and so I'm not saying it's always going to be easy. You walk into a territory, pray a single prayer, and it's all said and done. But Jesus is king, and we as evangelists go, and we assert authority, and we demonstrate God's power And then we stand our ground. No, this belongs to the Lord now. I'm telling you, Kona's never going to be the same. Because the body of Christ is moving. The body of Jesus Christ is coming together. Yes, there are demonic powers that are real, but we're going to see those things topple. We're going to see them come down. We're going to see addiction. We're going to see perversion. We're going to see brokenness. We're going to see confusion. Whatever it is, we're going to see these things crumble and come to the ground and the kingdom of God is going to be established now here's what's so cool minister Ryland would you come I'm I'm closing I'm I think okay did you know that even the term apostle apostle was also before it was a religious term it was a it was a kingdom term and the apostle in in the very same sense is a you just imagine we'll just stick with Pakistan right You just imagine now, we've gone in, we've done the work. Now, a lot of these territories now understand they're under the ownership of a new king. What they would do is then they would send apostles. And what the apostle would do is they would actually go into a city, into a region or territory, and they would actually begin to train the people. This is what our etiquette is. Here's what our laws are in this new kingdom. They would actually show, this is what the king prefers. These are the laws that he's instituted. Here's here's the type of music that he likes. Because the, the idea was, if the king himself were ever to come to that city or that town, they want a culture that he's created, that he appreciates, that he loves and enjoys. And so, you begin to understand why the Bible would call apostles what they are. Because what an apostle does, we still receive from the apostles' teachings today. As we receive these things, and well, now that I'm under the, the ownership of a new king, I look and now I see the things that he loves, and I see the things that he doesn't. I understand that God has preferences, that there's, there's ways that we can pray that will attract the Holy Spirit. There's ways that we can worship that will draw the Holy Spirit. There's things that we can do that will reject the Holy Spirit and, and, and make Him want to flee. So we receive of the apostles and we say, Lord, help us to be the type of place that You want to be in. Help help, help us, Lord. and Give us the power. I, I believe there's apostles today. had one woman of God I haven't met got to connect with her during the women's conference and she said that she was actually there on Oahu in the service when they prayed for Dr. Morocco sending him out to take King's Cathedral I mean when he was still with another church she was in the service where they prayed for him to send him out and to look now 40 years we're almost at the end of our 40th year to see 500 churches she just couldn't even hardly believe it wow Do you want to know why? Because here's a man of God who's really stepped into that apostolic office. And what he's doing is he's sending out voices, pastors, ministers, evangelists, prophets all over the globe. And everywhere we go, I love the fact he wants to buy property. Why? This is a little piece of heaven on earth right here. I can't speak for every other place. I can't speak for the city as a whole. One day, God's going to give us this city. We're praying God's going to give us this island. But right here is a little plot of heaven because we've got a great leader who believed in us and was willing to make an investment and say, you know, i So I've been sent. And all those who are a part of this body, guess what? You now become a part of what God is doing right here. You become an extension of the kingdom of God right here in the earth. Everywhere we go, you understand when you start your life group, there's going to be a little piece of heaven in Captain Cook. There's going to be a little piece of heaven in In central Kona. There's going to be a a little piece of heaven there in uh, Palisades and wherever we start. We're laying out the plans right now. You begin to pray diligently. We're laying out the plans for how we're going to launch in Hilo. It's going to be a big deal. There's going to be a little piece of heaven over in Hilo. We're praying. We're looking at properties on the south point of the island and there's going to be a little piece of heaven down there. This is not just games. This isn't, this isn't just some religious deal. It's not that we're just trying to hit some number. Wow, 500 churches. It's about people. It's about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what this is about. I want you to stand all across this room right now. <laughs> Not even sure really how to end this message today. Let me make it personal to you. Did you know Jesus taught? that the kingdom of God is inside of you. The kingdom of God. You and I, every person within the sound of my voice, we have the capacity to either host the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. And some of you, Some of you have never even lived with this awareness that you could host the presence and the power and the glory of God. You've never even known that. I believe that we're all born in sin. I believe that we're all fallen human individuals. We all need to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That means every one of us grew up, we were born with the influence of darkness over our lives in some capacity. Even if you grew up in a Christian home, there's a moment where you personally need to say, no, Jesus is going to be the king of my life. I'm not going to be a son of darkness anymore. Lord, I want your kingdom to dwell in me and with me and through me. And I reject the world, its powers, and its darkness. I'm just, I'm grieved at moments. We, The church today, we never talk about the demonic and what bothers me about that. It's like, you imagine living your life. Let me give you a gross illustration. My family and I, we like to watch, um, what is the name of the Bear Grylls show? Man versus Wild. You ever watch that show? Survival out there. and Well, in this episode, he's you know going through the woods and all this kind of stuff, and notice a big blood clot starts forming on his shirt, lifts up his shirt, realizes he's got a leech on him pulls a leech out and squeeze the thing blood you know he's a, always does stuff just to be gross right and uh i like bear grill he's a christian an awesome guy and um my kids were just amazed you know oh wow you know what is that oh yeah it's a leech and i begin to explain what a leech you know that the demons are like leeches they're parasites in one area they find right Ephesians. uh i'm sorry uh James says, give no place to the devil. Give no place to the devil. Because it finds one little piece of skin and it's like a leech and just latch on, start feeding off of you. And all of a sudden your life force is being drained and you don't understand why I pray and it doesn't hit and I don't understand why. And some people, this is, this is my fear, pastors that never talk about spiritual warfare or the demonic or the or even the heavenly realm, any of this kind of stuff, you got people walking around with leeches and they don't even know it. They don't even know it. And if somebody, you know what the gospel does? It shines a light in places of darkness. And maybe even on a day like today, you realize, man, maybe some of the health issues that I have aren't just physical in nature, but maybe there's a spiritual component to it. Man, maybe the reason that my, that my family has not yet come to Christ is because, the man, the devil really does have his, his hook in their lives. And you fill in the blank. Maybe the reason I can't gain victory over this sin in my life is because it's and the devil's got a a hold in my life It's Like a parasite. It's not a big deal. Okay, listen It's not the end of the world But you just have to expose it and say no I have the kingdom of God on the inside of me and I'm a part of the kingdom of God and so Satan you 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 can't be in me any longer. You can't you can't suck on my life any longer No, you got to go. You got to go You got to go these kids that are in my home, no. They, they have liberty because, because daddy prays. Daddy's a priest of the home. Mama's a prophet. Oh, that's a scary combination right there. I just want you to know. The devils can't hide in our house. See so what I want to do? I want to pray. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for your home. I want to pray that the Lord would expose darkness. Those leeches that have clung to your life or your home or your family. It would begin to expose those things so that the lord in his grace would destroy the works of the devil lord right now i just lift up your sons and daughters and i thank you mighty god as we come into your kingdom as we come into your presence as we come into uh, lord your rulership and your authority lord we know that everything changes and some of us have lived our lives under the oppression of the enemy, and some of us haven't even known it. Some of us have committed our lives to you, Jesus, but we've still, still got the enemy clinging to us. We've still got him trying to harass us in various areas of our life. But Lord, today, I declare that the King of kings and the Lord of lords is ruler, authority over our life in the name of Jesus. Jesus we believe that you are seated at the right hand in heavenly places and that we have been made to sit together with you in the heavenly places. And so mighty God I pray that if it doesn't belong in heaven if it is not of your will i command that that thing loose us and let us go in the name of jesus oppression of the mind oppression of the soul it must loose us and let it go depression anxiety bouts of fear lord i command those things loose your sons and daughters and let them go lord those those anger that that rage lord those those moments of a perversion that grip our hearts god uh, uh, things that would hit us lord condemnation and uh, just the harassing of the enemy, a constant reminder of the past. I silence the voice of the enemy in the name of Jesus. I say no voice is allowed to speak over your sons and daughters except for the voice of your Holy Spirit ministering over us. Lord, I ask you, break the power of the enemy from over our lives. Lord I would I come against that spirit of infirmity. Lord sickness chronic that would try and come upon your sons and daughters. That would just held us captive. Lord it slowed us down. We can't breathe. My back hurts. My legs hurt. My body hurts. God I command that thing to loose your children and let them go. Release healing virtue. Healing power. Jesus we pray your kingdom come and your will be done. Right here on the earth, just as it is in heaven. God, let this plot of land be, let this property, let our homes and let our lives be little places where your kingdom and your glory dwells, O oh Lord. Almighty oh, God, I pray let there be liberty, even that confusion of the mind. God, there's people that have been unable to receive of what your spirit is speaking. Because they live in this constant state of confusion. God, I ask that you would clear their minds in the name of Jesus. Give them a right mind. Take every thought captive, bringing it into submission to you, Christ Jesus. I pray, give us the mind of Jesus Christ. Let us think like you. Let us believe like you. Let us know like you. Almighty God. Almighty God.